I'm Rachel Hernandez, real estate investor turned mobile home investor and best-selling author. I make a living investing in mobile homes for cash flow for long-term passive income. After many mistakes and lessons learned, I've been able to create the kind of life where I can do the types of things I want to do, not have to do. I created the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast to share with you what I've learned so you can spend more time with family, friends, and do things you love. Mobile home investing can help you get there. If you want to hear real stories with practical and actionable advice you can use from someone who's been in the trenches and who's still investing today to create the type of life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of AdventuresofMobileHomes.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on the 50th episode of the podcast. Now, just in case you missed it, be sure to check out the last episode where I talk about how I protest taxes for my own mobile home investing business and how you can do the same. You can check it out at www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 49. So today, I'm going to share with you my first guest interview on the show. Can you believe it? Now, I'm more of a solo show, but I did promise to do interviews here and there in the beginning. And so I decided to bring on my first guest. This week's guest is a good author and real estate investor friend of mine, Seth, who goes by the pen name E.B. Farmer. I'm going to read you his bio here so you get an idea of who he is and what he's all about. For most of his adult life, E.B. Farmer has made his living by buying, improving, dividing, and flipping tracts of rural acreage. Now he enjoys sharing some of the knowledge and experience which he has gained over the years. His series of books, entitled The Land Flipper, present an overview of the business from multiple angles. He also has a course with the same name and mentors budding flippers on the side as a way to foster a community of like-minded investors. So that's a little bit about Seth, a.k.a. E.B. Farmer. And today, we're going to talk about all things land investing and how to actually incorporate land into your mobile home investing business, which is something I'm looking into right now. Again, Seth is the author of several books on the subject, and he even has a course on land investing, which we'll get into in the interview. Now, personally, I've reviewed one of his books as well as the course, which I've taken myself, which I'll link up here in the show notes. In the interview, we talk about Seth's journey as a real estate investor, how he got into the land investing business and how it's done, how he incorporates mobile homes with his land investing business, and so much more. So are you ready? Here goes. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast. My name is Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. 
mobile home girl of adventuresofmobilehomes.com. Well, today I've got my first guest interview, something very special for y'all, special treat. My good friend, my author friend, and real estate investor, and we're going to talk about land investing. So I'm going to bring him on the show. His name is Seth, but he goes by the pen name E.B. Farmer. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Seth. Hey, Rachel. What's up? Good, good, good. Nothing much. Nothing much. Just been, you know, totally busy (laughs) as always, Um, but, you know, Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about all things land investing. I want to just talk a little bit about your background and then just kind of see, you know, your progression in terms of, you know, what you've done in terms of your real estate investing career as far as land and also with the mobile homes um, on the land and all the the good stuff we've talked about in the past. So thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and for anyone listening, I actually found um, Seth, a.k.a. E.B. Farmer, found his book, and I actually reviewed his book. I will talk about it later um, in the interview, um, but I will put a link to his uh, book, my book review uh, in the show notes. So let's get the, get into it. Can you tell us a little bit about you, Seth, and your background in real estate investing? Sure. Yeah. It's uh, always been kind of a family business for me. So um, as hard as it it is to admit, I have to say, you know, I was born into it to a certain degree. Okay. Um, so <laughs> my family has uh, used, used a subdivision, rural subdivision. Um, in other words, buying big tracts of rural acreage. Okay. Uh, 20 acres and up um, all the way to two, 300 acres. Wow. And breaking it up and using the economy of scale, sometimes building roads. Uh, we don't build as many roads as we used to, but using the economy of scale to sell, you know, one acre, uh, a one acre lot for more than you bought that acre for when you bought the entire 200, in other words. So it's the same way any business works. You buy a hundred uh, jars of mayonnaise and you sell, each, <laughs> you sell each one for, you know, whatever, however much more you can get for an individual jar. And it's the okay. same. It's the same thing we do essentially. There's a lot more to it than that, but essentially that's what it is. Okay. Okay. Great. So just remember the mayonnaise and the jars. Yeah. Or I'll you be good substitute <laughs> substitute whatever <laughs> widget you want to sell. Right. 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 Now I have a question. Have, have you and your family always been uh, land investors, or have y'all done other things along the years in, in real estate investing? It's almost always been land. Um, I mean, I was like I said, I was kind of born into it from a very young age and I'm, you know, in my late thirties now. So I've pretty much, pretty much been at it for decades. Um, but right. we did do, we did do some houses, uh, at some point kind of eventually stopped doing houses as much. Uh, we used to do more major subdivisions with, with road building and stuff. And now we've kind of found the core, um, which is basically like a, a, a mini partition, so instead of building roads mm-hmm. and stuff like that, we try to find things with existing public road frontage mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, and get in and get out kind of thing rather than being extensive developers, you know, trying to do drainage studies and all that kind of stuff. So, um, okay. yeah, we've, we've dabbled in this and that. We finally found something that just is, it, it works and it has a good return for the amount of headache that's involved, I guess. And that's basically what we've stuck to um, since then. So. 
Okay. Now walk us through the process, I guess, since, you know, this is about mobile home investing, my podcast, how you've incorporated, um, you know, either now or in the past, uh, mobile homes into the land investing business. How does that work? Sure. sure. So, I mean, first off, my, my market, um, where I'm selling, which is just rural, um, deep South, uh, I'm not going to pinpoint my location, but I, I, right. I operate in the rural South. And so, uh, I'd say 90% of my end users are going to be folks who are going to be placing a mobile home. Uh, so oh, wow. I, okay. yeah, yeah. I mostly, I mostly sell to mobile home people. I don't particularly mess with the mobile homes myself. Uh, again, because it's like through, through the iterations of doing things, I've found a, a particular niche that I, you know, focus on, which is, you know, giving people places to put mobile homes. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of have a, a general sense of what goes into developing a lot for mobile homes, but I don't even really necessarily do that. Things like a house pad or driveway or a water well or a septic, all that kind of stuff has to go in, uh, you know. Um, and at some points, we've we've also done that and found that it was a lot more work for, you know, not necessarily the right amount of reward. So these days, we pretty much just stick to the raw land and, and we sell to mobile home buyers. Okay, that's very interesting. So if you're selling to mobile home buyers and you don't deal with the homes themselves, are you saying that they bring in their own homes or they're working or you're working with the dealership with their own buyers? Or how does that work um, in terms of the partnership with uh, finding them? Yeah, so I, I've tried to work with mobile home dealerships and it, you know, depending on the individual salesman or manager, I've had some success. Um, but really, it is just like okay. you said, it is just people who are, they're just looking for a piece of land. Maybe they already have their home pe picked out. Um, so I offer financing on just the land itself, mm. but a lot okay. of mobile home dealerships, as you probably know, do something called the land home package. It's at least that's what it's called here mm -hmm. in which, you know, once they've, once the buyer has found me, okay. So they found an acre for 35 grand they'll go to the mobile home dealership and ask, you know, Hey, can you wrap the land and the mobile home and the house pad and the driveway mm -hmm. and the septic all into one big loan? The mobile home company pays me out. And then, you know, it's a great, it's great when that happens. I love it when that happens, but. That's uh, the ideal situation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. And uh, I just get paid cash up front essentially. So. Right, right, right. Are you seeing more of that? of the time of this recording, are you seeing less of that? Cause I know financing is still easy to get with the single family homes, but I'm not sure in terms of the mobile home industry, are you seeing more financing doing that, doing those land home packages and working with the dealership right now? Or is it kind of, it's different. I mean, yeah, I, I'm it's, not... it's a little tough sometimes um, just because, you know, so when I, I end up owner financing a lot of the land, Right. Uh, which is not something like I particularly like to do, but it works out. It, you know, if I didn't offer that, I feel like I wouldn't have right. such a robust business because people, you know, people who are, it's, it, it's a lot of uh, people who are getting started in their careers. You know, maybe they're, uh, they're a blue collar person who's just getting there. You know, these people who are plumbers and electricians and stuff that will end up making more money than all of us in the end. You know, but, but, <laughs> right, but when right. they're in their, when they're in their twenties and they're, you know, uh, just getting started. I sell to a lot of folks like that. I sell to a lot of people who are just um, sort of newly arrived in the country, like Spanish speakers and stuff okay. who are, you know, who have recently immigrated. 
Um, so that's kind of who my end user ends up being. And, and they're, they have difficulties with getting traditional financing. Okay. And so some, some of the mobile home dealerships might not work for them, but, uh, you know, it, it ends up, it ends up being a case where they are almost able to pay cash for some things, you know, because mobile homes, as you know, so much cheaper per square foot. Right. Right. Uh, right. Right. So it In general, them. depending on your area, of course. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> So it helps them get a nice place. I mean, a lot of these people, they don't want to live in a little apartment in a city. Yeah, cramped. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There's something I I find, you know, very American about just like, okay, here's five acres. I'm going to toss a a mobile home out there and I'm going to make my way in this, you know, wilderness. And (laughs) right, right, right. Uh, Exactly. 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 Okay. So what I'm hearing is that there's, there's a couple pieces to the puzzle because with what I do, I invest in individual mobile homes as of this recording, I am looking into land investing. Um, uh, there's only one piece, uh, you know, the home. Um, and then I have the community or the park that I'm working with. Right, right. But for what you do, you have the mobile home, which the buyer brings in or right. the dealership helps you with. But so the first thing, if I'm hearing this correctly, Seth, um, you got to locate a piece of land first, correct? Yeah. So to that's, that's okay. 90% of what I do is trying to trying to do stuff on the acquisition side. Um, right. You know, right. Okay. So. And how does that work if you're going, if 90, 95% of your buyers are, are, are mobile home, you know, people with mobile homes, how does that work locating a piece of land that you know, unless you have to go into zoning, that you know, you know, you can put a mobile home on it. Can, can you walk yeah. us through the process of looking for something like that size, location characteristics what what do you look for and how 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 do, how do you find them what is the process and sure, in terms yeah. of locating a piece of land that a mobile home can actually where there's demand too sure so. sure sure sorry you can probably hear my dogs barking oh no right no now. problem we're but, we're uh, podcasting it happens so, all the time <laughs> so um this is a a little bit hard uh for me to answer in a way that will apply equally to all your listeners because right. uh, what you kind of touched on there is like a sort of regulatory um, bureaucratic issue, right? Which is that a lot of zoning and stuff, it, it, for example, you know, where I am in my sort of uh, country location in the South, I mean, there's no zoning. Um, there's no, there's, I mean, if you're in a town, there's zoning. Right. But right. if you're, if you're buying, a hundred acres in the hinterlands in the countryside. And, you know, um, some of these very rural, uh, low population areas, there's not going to be anything like zoning. So is it unrestricted then there's like nothing? Almost like, always. There okay. could be some situations where I'm buying a piece that, you know, the previous owner has restrictions on or wants to put restrictions on, which is, you know, nothing but a negotiation point at the end of the day, you have to work it out. Right. With the person you're buying it from. But typically I don't, when I, when I'm buying, you know, 40 acres at the end of a dirt road or, or whatever, um, it's not going to be something that's ever been restricted in any kind of way. And all that stuff turns up in the title search. And if it were to turn up something saying no mobile homes, that would almost certainly be a deal killer. Um, so that being said, there's a variety of different ways um, I use to sort of figure that out and it's going to be different depending on where people are. I'm a big believer that the first step should always be, be, you know, being sort of 
hyper aware of the local regulations. Right. Uh, I know a lot of people, and I'm sure some of your listeners invest remotely. Is that something that you do much of? No, I'm I'm pretty much all local. I've yeah. had opportunities to invest remotely, but my whole thing is if I'm not going to be there, you know, I don't want it to be a headache. And then I I've known people who've done it, and then it becomes a management issue managing other people. And I just prefer yeah. to keep things simple. I'm local, and I just focus. And at the time of this recording, I'm actually working with the park manager. Um, I did. I just did a training on how to, how I actually protest taxes for my own mobile home investing business, and I'm um, this park manager have actually helped me. But um, he knows a lot of landowners in the area, uh-huh. so he's actually helping me to locate pieces of land potential uh, in terms of putting mobile homes on top of that. And he has his own land, and he has family members who own land that's awesome. too. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, that's kind of where I'm at, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on to the show. Um, but there are restrictions, you know, I'm in Texas uh, in, mm-hmm. in the areas where I invest, but I keep everything local. Um, so basically getting back to the piece of land that you're locating, I have a question since it's it's more most, I mean, it makes it easier in terms of like, if you don't have to like go through all that paperwork and bureaucracy for zoning um, in the areas that you invest, Seth. But my other question is if they're rural, let's talk about marketing. Um, how is the supply and demand? How do you find buyers? I mean, I'm sure there's mobile home dealerships, but how do you find buyers and how do you know, you know, before you even purchase the land you probably are familiar with the area that's you know that this is a this is a place where people want to buy sure, and it, yeah. how do you find your buyers you know yeah i mean it it just like you said and i feel like i'm in good company here because i'm also an advocate of sort of starting in your own backyard mm-hmm. in a place where you're familiar and you know um you sort of know what the different values are after you do it for a certain amount of time and you know what the restrictions are and what the particularly diff- difficult situations uh, that might arise are. So as far as finding buyers, it's, it's generally not a problem. I always, um, you know, make sure that there's certain, certain desirable qualities, I guess you could say, uh, you know, like a nearby interstate, like right. good, good access to utilities. Um, topography is very important in my market because we have some flooding issues. So things like that, uh, you know, um, the general feel of the neighborhood, whether it's kind of a seedy looking place or whether it's, you know, nice with cow pastures and all that kind of stuff goes into it. But uh, as long as you are, you know, with, <laughs> especially now, you know, we live in this like post COVID time. And I, you know, when COVID first right. hit, I thought I was going to be uh, in a lot of trouble with my business, but it was actually the best period of for land sales that I've ever experienced just because. Oh, wow. Yeah. So many people who were living in the city, you know, maybe they were living in this big city because of the festivals and the restaurants mm-hmm, and the concerts mm-hmm. and all that stuff was taken away really suddenly. And they started questioning, you know, what am I doing here? <laughs> maybe, I right, be, right. <laughs> maybe I should be on five acres in the country. Right. Right. Uh, right. But people don't tend to go like more than an hour, although it's getting further and further, it seems like. So I try to make something, try to find something that's within an hour to, if not a big city, at least a, a population center. And that has easy access to it, it has good mm-hmm. utilities, good topography, good atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and you can sell anything, you know, it's just, some takes 
longer than others. Some of it flies off the shelf and some, you know, it takes three or four months. Right, right, right. Okay, good. Um, that That's some good information there. Regarding the piece of land that you purchase, Seth, um, so do you buy a, like a large piece of land and then divide it or do you just buy a small piece of land, like an acre or two, and then just find a buyer? How does that work with the piece, the land that you purchase and sell? Sure. So, you know, it's all about the price, but the idea, I, I prefer uh, just from a personal strategy, I'm not saying this is the best way to do it. Right. I prefer to buy a bunch of small deals instead of one big deal. Although okay. I, do, I end up doing both because at the end of the day, you just buy what you can get your hands on. If it seems like a good deal, you can't always decide exactly how much you want to buy. But anyway, you know, 20 acres would be like kind of an ideal deal for me. Okay. Uh, you know, I buy 20, I sell four or fives. That's kind of like right. the, the bread and butter, you know, it, it, it varies uh, depending on what I can find and stuff. And, different counties, you know, I work in several counties around me and some of them let you do seven subdivisions and some of them let you do four and some let you do as many as you want, as long as yada, yada, yada. So like they have different rules and finding out what those are allows you when you're, when you're scouting land, when you're looking at opportunities, you can see things that other people can't see because you know, the regulation, you know, what can be done. And, uh, and that just allows for some opportunities um, to present themselves and you can create a lot of value just by subdividing because, People, you know, you might be looking at a piece of property that's a quarter million dollars and mm-hmm. that shrinks the market. There's not a lot of mobile home buyers who can, you know, get a bank loan for a quarter million dollars. But, <laughs> right, right. But if you sell them five acres for 50, then they, they'll be happy as a clam or whatever. So, um, right, right, right. And on the buying end, I mean, I know there's different ways to purchase them. I mean, what is your typical deal? Are you buying with cash? Are you doing owner financing with the seller? Or does this does, does depend on their situation and what they're willing to do? Yeah, there's been moments when uh, capital, like getting the capital together was a real struggle. Like in the past, you know, there's been several recessions, mm-hmm. you know, where we ended up cash poor. And, and then we did buy some land on our finance. Uh, these days we, you know, we use a lot of cash because cash just allows you, <laughs> I mean, like if you can cash well, quickly, <laughs> it, allow, it allows you to do things so quick. And you can, if, if the seller knows that you have cash, if you can just implant that into their head, you know, right. Right. That, I mean, you can get some really sweet deals because who wants to wait? Okay. So like, if I come to you and I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure I can qualify for this, you know, I'll give you a thousand dollar deposit. It's going to take 45 days. I got to go through the bank. There's going to be, right. an appra- there's going to be an appraisal. So if your land doesn't appraise, that's a whole nother uh, wrench, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who calls and say, Hey, I, you know, I'll write you a check tomorrow. Let's meet at the closing uh, table, you know, that you, right. but I want to pay 20,000 less or whatever, you know, you can sometimes create value for yourself just by having cash. I mean, it, it money talks, you know, um, right, but I, you know, right. but I do, I'm a big proponent of also, you know, leveraging you, you know, once once you get to a certain income level that, to where banks will pretty much loan you what you need, then, you know, that's a good way to keep doing deals because you can't always, especially when you own or finance to so a lot of your buyers, it's hard to have the cash flow, right? If you're investing a hundred grand and then people are paying you 500 a month, right? you know, it, it takes a while, so. It does. It does. And my other question is, do you bring or have you in the past brought in partners or have you worked with private lenders or just basically just keep everything within the family in terms of who you work with? Yeah, we work with partners uh, sometimes. Okay. Uh, okay. You no, know, I've never been very good at networking. 
but since I've started mm-hmm. writing books and stuff, you know, it's put me in contact <laughs> with people with people like yourself. Right. And, right. Uh, so, you know, it's worked out in a few cases and it's great because uh, we always have more opportunities than we have money, you know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can do, I mean, in a, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, in a normal case, you know, I'm, I'm not super ambitious and I'll do three or four deals a year, but if someone's going to bankroll another three or four, you know, right. Um, then it might as well, might as well double your business, you know, so. Hey there, Rachel here. Have you enjoyed the show and podcast so far? Has it helped you with your own mobile home investing journey? And have you received value from it? If yes, then consider supporting the show. So how can you show your support? Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. The first thing you can do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else the podcast can be heard. Go to www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash podcast to see the sites and links where you can leave a review on. I'll be ever so grateful if you do. And you may even get a shout out and your review read right on the show, just for doing it. Another thing you can do is support the show and buy me a coffee. If you know me, you know how much I love coffee. If you've gotten a lot of good information out of the podcast and it has helped you as a mobile home investor, I'd love your support. Now, in the future, I'll be giving shout-outs to those who support me. So, if you do, that may be you. Go to www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash support for more information on how you can show your support. Again, www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash support. And if you want to take it a step further and receive exclusive only content, consider being a member. On the support page there, you'll find info about how you can view exclusive content, including access to new videos and blog posts, a shout out in a future episode for your support, access to video replays on my past speaking engagements, if you haven't seen me speak yet, and more. Check out www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash support to find out more. Thanks so much for continuing to listen to the podcast and for your support. Now, back to the show. Right, right, right. Now, finding these pieces of land or tracts of land, let's talk about marketing. Do mm-hmm. you just do the 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 normal, just you know, scouting out, or do you do direct mail, or do you advertise? Do you have a website? How does that work in terms of marketing to find these sellers with land that you want to buy? Yeah. You mean when I'm looking for land to buy? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's crazy, but there's it's. There's really no like system that I can explain. I've tried to, you know, I've tried to uh, answer this question in various ways, but at the end of the day, 
it's a little dishonest for me to say, Hey, here's a system that I use to buy land because it's always different. Mm-hmm. And I've been in the same market for a long time and I know almost all the players involved. And I've gotten to a point where when people have a piece of land to sell, they call me, you know, which is a great place to that's be. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's and, great. But you know, for someone just starting out, there's, you know, a lot of different ways that you can go about it. Mm-hmm. There's the MLS and realtors. There's, uh, Timber companies is who we used a lot in the past. Timber companies have a ton of land. Oh, okay. And uh, bank, de- uh, what's the name of the bank department? The the uh, REO, I guess there's a department. Yeah, the REO department. Yeah. yeah, real estate owned. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I've found good deals that way. And sometimes it's been driving down a country lane and seeing that's a sign. That's my way of doing things. Yeah, yeah so. that's exactly how I'm doing it right, right now with that how do you, manager helping me. How do yeah. you systematize that? You can't, right. you know, so uh, my advice is like, if you want it, you're going to have to just grind for it. Find out what works in your neighborhood. Keep your eyes open. Talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, leverage your connections, which is another important part of being local. You know, if you're local, mm-hmm. you know, you may have connections that know, you know, maybe their grandma has a piece that's perfect or whatever. So, right, right, right. Now, my my next question is, say someone wants to start out. I mean, what would your advice be? Do they have to save up a certain amount? I mean, I would think if they're purchasing uh, land, uh, amount of cash, or do you, um, suggest they bring in a partner or a private lender? I mean, how does that work for someone just starting out? Or would you suggest a certain amount of cash to have cash to begin with, you know? I mean, I I like to preface this by saying, you know, capitalism is, it advantages those with capital. Right. Right. So, uh, basically you can, do this starting out from nothing, but you're playing on the highest difficulty level. Like if it's a video game, you're starting out on max difficulty. Whereas if right. you have you have a hundred or 150 grand in the bank that you can start with, then you're playing on easy mode. You know, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to turn that 100 into you know 225 or, or whatever if you play your cards right. Um, as far as far as advice, there's not really one way that I can uh, suggest except for if you are coming from like uh, the world, a world where you've had like, you know, a paycheck and you can show good income, mm-hmm. you know, um, it might be something that, you know, banking would be the right way to do it. Because as long as you have good income um, and you can show that, then bankers will often play ball with you. Um, if you're right. starting, if you're starting from scratch, it's going to be all about your hustle and you're going to have to hustle enough to, <laughs> to show somebody that you're, that you have value. And then that person will, you know, take a risk and invest with you, you know? So. Right, right, right. Now along the lines of banks, are you talking more like local or credit unions that you uh, uh, yeah. suggest or like yeah. the big, I mean, what kind of banks regional? Or- <laughs> so I always have, that, I always have this problem, right? Because like, I always recommend people the smallest, most local bank that they can get, except right. every, t- every time I find one and I spend three years developing a relationship with them, they get bought by freaking cap one or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, <laughs> it's like, but, what did you tell me? Again? Yeah, right, yeah. right. So yeah. My recommendation is go small, small credit, okay. unions, small banks. They're easier to work with. Uh, they have less, the, the bigger a bank gets, the more the government says, Hey, you have to do it this way. Right, right. right. That's my understanding of it after speaking to bankers. I'm not a banker, so someone may correct me out there. But the bigger a bank gets, the more uh, the sort of bureaucrats start peering over their shoulders and whatnot. 
But um, right, right. But as right, a small right. bank, they're a little more flexible. So that's always my. And plus, you can walk in and sit down with the person who's making the decision, which mm-hmm. is not something you'll ever get at Cap One. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my next question is: What mistakes did you make? Because we all make them as real estate investors. I can tell you a million I've done um, as a mobile home investor. What mistakes did you make along the way throughout? You know, your the, the biggest mistakes. Um, um, or any advice that you have for people, you know, just getting started in, in land investing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, some mistakes I've made, um, you know, getting getting uh, wooded pieces cut and then being left with a field full of stumps and then having to like grind the stumps. That's an expensive mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mm-hmm. finally learned that cleared land is you know, significantly more valuable if you can find a field than a forest. Um, you know, <laughs> We've uh, had talks about that. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I think I remember us talking about that. Um, are the costs pretty high to clear like oh, yeah. a whole, you know, with all these uh, trees and yeah, you can like, get the land cheap, but, you know, <laughs> what's it going to cost to get it cleared? You know? Yeah, and what do people need? You know, you have to focus on what their needs are. So you got to make sure there's at least a house site you know, that's out of the flood zone, that has good topography, that has good access to the road, mm-hmm. you know, um, focusing on your end users and trying to put yourself in their shoes. And uh, right. something I've learned recently, and I don't know, we could talk about this a little bit, is um, I, was okay. always kind of, I was always kind of against uh, using real estate agents to sell my land mm. because, like, I'm a very hands-on person. I like to give up control. Um mm-hmm. So I would use Facebook and signs and index cards and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, what's happened with the market in the last couple of years, it's like gotten kind of crazy with like, you know, as soon as something pops up on the MLS, uh, there, it tends to get offers, at least in my market. So I started sort of engaging a few real estate agents and now I'm like spoiled, you know, like, cause I don't have to, if you find a good one and, and, and you can just say, Hey, just go handle it. You know, I don't want right. to, I don't want to have to go show it to the people and all this kind of stuff, you know? So maybe I'm getting a little a little old and logging the tooth and getting spoiled, but um, I, I realized there are a couple of years, especially like during the early days of the pandemic when things were really starting to take off with real estate. You know, I should have just gotten some agents going, uh, but I kept wanting to do it myself. And so just right. not everything not everything needs to be done yourself. You know, you'll get to a certain point if you can find the right people. You know, don't don't be a control freak. I mean, when you're first getting started, I'd say do everything yourself. Right, right, you right. Know? But uh, as you as you progress, let go a little bit. <laughs> That's very interesting. That's very interesting because I'm also one of the DIY people. Yeah. And I get agents all the time who want to work with me, but it's of kind course. of different um, in terms of what I do. But they want to like show me land on, uh, I mean, mobile homes on land, you know. Yeah. And um, so I've been also hesitant in that route. But I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. Maybe I will re- revisit that because of the way the market is. You know, of course, right. they want to sell to someone who's going to, who's going to actually take action. You uh-huh, know, I'm, I mean, course. I'm a serious investor. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not a looky-loo. That's, looky-loo, that's you know? why they're, that's why they're all over you. Cause they know. Yeah. You know <laughs> but somebody, I, I need a deal, you know, yeah, right. so yeah. it, it's got to work, right, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so that's very interesting. That's something interesting. I'll, I'll definitely uh, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Now I do have a question about the land that you purchase. Sure. Um, now we had talked about clearing, which t- takes a lot of money. So you, 
you'd rather just purchase it. It's already cleared or just minimal that right. needs clearing. Okay. Right. Um, is there a certain co- type of company that you work for? I mean, obviously that's not a landscaping company. Is that a specific company that clears out for land that you work with in terms of contractors? Or? <laughs> I mean, usually it's just a, a, a redneck with a bulldozer, to be honest. I've and, seen yeah. those videos <laughs> online. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> it, it would be nice if there was some centralized way to do it, but really. Right, right. You got to get the guy at the end of the road who's got a bulldozer and then you gotta you know convince that's, them to that's yeah. really very interesting that's yeah. very interesting okay my other question was utilities okay say you're clearing it out um do you even deal with utilities or do you just leave that to the end buyer to deal with like if they need to put like i don't know a septic or i mean uh, you know like water yeah. how does that work i know? don't i don't deal with septics which is something that every rural piece of land uh, yeah, we do in Texas and the rural. So, I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't do that, but I, I try to make sure that my properties have access to some sort of co- community water. Okay. Uh, when I buy the deal, if they don't, that's, you know, I'm going to take $5,000 off the price of the lot, you know, it doesn't have water. So you need a water well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to take five grand off the price. Um, powers, you know, something that I don't, I mean, it, it pretty much exists everywhere or it's close right. by. As long as you're not building roads um, mm-hmm. and as long as you're not like miles and miles away from power, it's usually a non-issue. You just call a power company, say, bring the line over to my house, you know. Right. So it sounds to me like you will negotiate the price, but you're going to have the buyer deal with all that. You're not going to be the one, you know, dealing with those utilities. Right. Because I mean, of time is money. It's know? time. So. And it's also like you don't necessarily, like say I put in a $5,000 water well. It right. doesn't necessarily mean that the lot's going to sell for 5,000 more. You know, you don't, it's like, okay, you, you remodel your bathroom in your house, right? Your house right. is worth more and it will sell better because it's got a nice bathroom, but do you really get every penny back you yeah. know, from the bathroom? Not necessarily, you know, right. so it's the right. same, pr- same principle. I'd rather just, you know, let, let the land go for a little bit cheaper and have them do it the way they want it. And also I don't want to be responsible for people like, Oh, you know, you put the well in the wrong place or, you, you know, the well's not mm-hmm. working. They call me back in six months. It's just mm-hmm. not, it's not my business. Uh, so. Right. 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 Now my next question is your owner financing these pieces of land. The pe- people are bringing the buyers are bringing the mobile homes. So I'm thinking your owner finances for a long time. Is this a, are these long-term investments? Are we talking like 15, 20, 30 years in terms of owner financing, like in terms so, of cash flow, you know? So, so traditionally I have been doing that. I have yeah. been doing like 15 or 20 years, but lately I'm so scared of inflation that I'm starting to shorten uh, my notes to like seven, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do 15 years. I'll do seven, you know, I'll do six just because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're paying me $400 a month, well, 10 years from now, $400 a month might not be enough for, you know, a subway sandwich. So, (laughs) right, right. That's true. That's That's kind of my concern. But on the other hand, when you borrow money that works in your favor, right? Like if you, if you take out a mortgage and your payment is $1,200 a month locked in for 30 years, well, you might be able to work for an hour and make 1200 bucks, you know, (laughs) in right. 10 years from now. So uh, because of inflation, I'm trying to, I'm trying to shorten them up and get a little more cash because 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the market is really doing a somersault right now. So <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, but it's funny. It's like the market, but like with the housing market, it's completely different. So everyone's like still trying getting priced out. Right. But then you look at you know the market. I'm talking about paper assets. It's completely different. So uh-huh. I I don't know. I just don't know um, at this point. My other question is: Have you ever had anyone? Not the dealership. Not like a bank. Like okay, you know, financing you out. But have you had like individuals actually just pay you straight up cash? It does happen. Land, you know. It happens. It's rare, but it happens. I mean, it's rare in my market. Okay. I think I think in some uh, slightly more affluent markets, it might be more common. But okay, um, okay. You know, people got people do manage to get. I mean, there's land banks here and stuff, and mm-hmm. people manage to get. You know, <laughs> of course, I always do that. You know, whenever someone approaches me for a loan, I always try to pass them off to my banker first. Right. To right. See if they right. can qualify, and if they can, I just say, all right, well, I'll, I'll do it for you. You know. Okay. And then are these, a lot of these buyers, are they local or are they out of state or is it a mix? It's all local. I mean, okay. uh, you know, uh, this is not, uh, you know, Manhattan where people are coming from all over the world. I mean, every now and then uh, someone mm. will come, someone will come because it's, a ch- it's cheaper. The land's cheaper here in my understanding than a lot of places. Uh, but it's mostly people for local, you know, I'm, I'm around a couple big cities uh, that are, you know, an hour or two hours away. I'd still call those people local. Maybe they're not, but (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because yeah, my, the majority of my business is local. I do get those out of state buyers, but they tend to be looky loose. Yeah. So I just don't want to waste my time. Sure. Sure. And they almost, they have a million questions. They can't make a decision versus the locals. They're like, I want to live in this community. I, my, my daughter goes to school here. I work here up the street. I want to live here. What do I need to do? I don't care. Yeah, sure. I'm sure you've noticed (laughs) this, but like, you know, there are, there is that one type of buyer that you get once in a while. Who's like, clearly they are fantasizing about some kind of life and they want you to indulge them in their fantasy. They have no intention of buying anything. Mm-hmm, <laughs> just, uh, mm-hmm. You got to spot those people right off and just uh, get off the phone. But uh. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's some good information about land investing. I know you're an author and I did review, and I'll put this in the show notes for anyone listening, your book, The Land Flipper, Turning Dirt into Dollars. I did review as a really good book. Can you tell everyone else about some of your other books? Because I know you have some other books and then you've also, didn't you have put these into audio format as well too? Yeah, the the, the main one, which is the one you just mentioned is in audio. Uh, I've always just kind of been interested in writing. And so uh, mm-hmm. in, in this business, we do have downtimes like in the winter and stuff. So I'll write a book, you know, and I got right. the, I got one that's sort of about owner financing. And it's just, I want to tell everyone that these are uh, very broad brush like bird's eye views of the topics, but I've got one on owner financing. I've got one on building roads and I've got one on timberland and I'm about to release another one here in the next little while. That's just going to be more of like a, it's going to be called, uh, I haven't got the exact title. It's going to be like my life in a thousand flips or something. Wow. Yeah, It's really just meant to be more like a conversational anecdotal. It's meant to be like entertainment as well as informational, you know, um, like a narrative. Uh, so, so yeah, I'll have uh, four or five books and um, they're all available on Amazon. So 
Awesome. Awesome. And I'll put a link to all that and his author profile in the show notes for anyone interested. And also the review I did on his book, but I highly recommend his books because I've read them and they're just very well written as an author myself and very easy to understand. So if y'all are listening, if you're interested, I just trying to get a feel for land investing, check out his books. I'll put it in the show notes, um, sure. at, you know, in, in, in for this podcast episode. Um, but I also wanted to go over, because we went over so much information and it can be overwhelming for people just starting out. Um, I did review uh, Seth's course, uh, Land Flippers, and it's an excellent course. It's Thank very you. thorough. Yeah, it's very thorough, very easy to understand. He pretty much touches on so much information. And, um, you know, I did have to do it in stages because it was so thorough and I took a lot of notes on it. So can you tell all the listeners a little bit about your course and what they can learn in it um, sure, for anyone sure. interested? Yeah. So the course is meant to be just like, about land itself, you know, um, I've always thought like, if, you know, go to a garage sale, I always use this example. If you went to a (laughs) garage, if you went to a garage sale, right. And you, let's say you were the world's foremost expert on, you know, uh, Russian dolls, Russian stacking dolls, you know, you're the, you're, you're at this garage sale and you see, uh, some sort of antique Russian doll that, you know, is worth $20,000 being sold for $5. Now, just the fact that you're an expert in that one thing, like if you're going to buy and sell and trade something, it pays to be intensely, uh, to intensely understand that thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what the course is aimed at. It's not necessarily like a business course or anything like that. It's mainly just focused on understanding land as an asset, understanding land as you know a commodity that you're going to buy and sell and trade. Okay. Um, not, not like as a, as an item on a spreadsheet and how to like conduct this, uh, large, it's very local. Like we talked about earlier. So it's all about doing it in your own backyard. That's basically what it's about. Okay. Okay. And for anyone interested, what, what aspects do you cover so that people know exactly what's involved in the course, sure. um, it's, in terms of the land business? Yeah. It's how to buy land, how to, what to look for. How to how to develop it a little bit, not in depth, but um, you know how how to get it ready for market, how to market it, some of the financial aspects involved, you know how how you might go about getting the money, um, and just basically walking you through the process that I use. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And does it include, um, you know, as people are interested, some of the, um, I guess some, do you have examples of paperwork that you use? In I usually don't include them. In the, I don't put them in the course, but people, um, you know, will email me. The course comes with like a consultation when you're finished with it. So oh, can, okay. Good. Yeah. Good. So you can yeah. call me uh, for an hour and just pick my brain or we can talk about what you're working on. And I, you know, I have all those files. I don't like to put them in the course because I, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to be like, here's a contract, you know. Yeah, it's got to be local. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I tell people because a lot of these contracts, I mean, they find them and then um, then they present them to me. And I said, well, you can use that as a template sure. to your attorney yeah. and then have your attorney look right. it over and make sure it complies with the laws in exactly. your area. That's what I tell people. I don't believe in self-closing or using 
a contract that no. you get from some guru. I mean, you need a local lawyer when it no. comes to real. It's too big of a purchase, you know. So. Right. And it does save time to use those templates versus having a lawyer draft up a whole thing sure. because their time is, you know, you're paying yeah. a couple hundred dollars an hour for that. I mean, um. <laughs> use the templates. Use the templates all day. Just don't be surprised when you get to a court of law and you're being sued and the, the judge says, what the hell is this? <laughs> don't <laughs> Don't say, hey, I got it from EB Farmer, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm the same way, too. I don't have my own contracts or any of that, but I tell people where to get example ones yeah, because I right. know exactly, and you're probably the same way, I know exactly where to find them. Yeah. And then I tell people, then take it to your attorney locally right. Right. and then have them look it over. Yeah, it's a useful you know. tool to like educate yourself about what a contract looks like, what the general, yeah. part, you know, things it touches on. Um you know, I, I, and if you wanted to just use it to make a sort of handshake deal and like reinforce the handshake, but then, you know, when you go to close, you know, that all should be done by a title attorney, in my opinion. Right. And that's something that we hadn't touched about. How does the closing process work? You talked about title attorney. Um, there's also title companies. I mean, how does that work in your area in terms of the closing with the buyer? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have a few the different seller. companies that I use in, uh, they, you know, they do an abstract, they issue, you know, title insurance and they do all the paperwork and it's got, they have a title attorney working at the office. And so I feel real, you know, secure once you get in. I mean, it costs, you know, a thousand bucks maybe. Right, right. But right. I, you know, I'm buying real estate. That's a quarter million dollars. I'm willing to pay a thousand dollars to make sure uh, because there's stuff that can go wrong. You know, I mean, don't freak yourself out, but, you know, read some horror stories about chain of title once in a while. and. <laughs> Uh, somebody, somebody's, you know, great aunt oh, niece comes back from the dead and she's got partial claim to that property that you just, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things that can happen. Right. So right. I like, right. I like to sleep at night personally. So I use a lawyer. I, I, I believe yeah. you. I believe you. Yeah. Now um, we're talking about on the buying with the seller. Do you use an attorney um, on the selling end to the the buyer that yeah. you're selling as Both well ends. too? Both ends. Okay. And is it the same company or are you using a different company? I try to use the same company just because okay. they'll often have some of the paperwork already in their file. Okay. And that way, okay. it, it tend, but yeah, I, I tend to use the same. It doesn't always work out that way, but... Okay. And then the buyer, so, yeah, the buyer yeah. has the right technically to engage their own. Like you're not supposed to be like, Hey buyer, you have to use my lawyer. Like that could right, be right. 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 Like, right. But, but yeah. I always say, here's the person I use if you want to use them. And they usually do so. Right. 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 Yeah. But the transaction is like, you're selling the land. You're actually transferring over the title. It's theirs, but you have the lien, you know, with these owner financing. Deals. So usually with my owner financing deals in my specific region, so this, this is, again, this is something that's local and it's different in every place. Right. Right. But here, a lot of the owner financing is done like deedlessly. So in other words, if oh, I'm selling, yeah, if I'm selling to you for a thousand dollars a month, I keep the deed until you pay me off. Mm. So it's like mm -hmm. a, you're, you're basically like renting to own. Okay. Property. Yeah. Right. Right. And that, now that's different in different places. I think in Texas, in fact, you're not allowed to do that. I've heard. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. And specific um, cases right. you have to comply with. Yeah. There's a lot of laws and I won't get into it because we're not talking about that right now. Yeah. Um, but they but are yeah, it's different. different. Yeah. They're it's different, different in different places. And even, area. even the language that is used, uh, you know, to refer to these different kinds of structures uh is different 
in different places. So, and, and, and during this time, I mean, if you're doing it that way in your specific region, you know, um, you know, for, you hold it until it's paid off. Who's paying the taxes and the insurance? Are they paying it, or how do you know they're paying it, or are you just covering that? They're ex- they're supposed to uh, pay all that stuff. It says in the in the um, the. I can't give you the name of the actual document without revealing right, where right, I am, right, but right, it's a right. special document. It says they're required to, uh, to pay the insurance and the taxes. But of course, you know, I follow up on it. I, I don't want anything with my name on it to go to tax sales. So I, religiously, yeah, religiously follow up on all that and make sure um, it's done. Yeah. I'm the same yeah. way. So now I have a question because it's very interesting because I've been told by somebody who actually teaches these classes about buying land that you don't have to put insurance on land. I mean, what is your view on that? I mean, cause I mean, what uh, can go wrong? I mean, I yeah. don't know, you know, I mean, what's your my, view on that? <laughs> my, my advice is a very tricky subject and one that you should discuss with your insurance expert uh but i will say that the general not uh general consensus that i've gathered from talking to a lot of insurance experts mm-hmm. is that you should have a umbrella policy if you're doing business and you own a lot of raw land you should have an umbrella liability policy right okay. this is this is a policy that you know if someone goes on a piece of property that you own and they fall in a, an old well and you know they break their leg you know, maybe this insurance would, you know, pay their medical bills or, or something like that, um, or protect you from being sued too, too badly, <laughs> you know, right, right. there's no telling in America what can happen, but that's just, uh, I mean, you, and then when people buy and you still hold the deed, they're supposed to have their own insurance on it, particularly if they're putting a mobile home and blah, 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 you, you're not, but see, there's not anything that can damage the land itself. So you're not yeah, really, that was my question. Yeah, yeah. the land. Like, you're not yeah, insuring the land. the land. You're not insuring right. the land. Okay, okay. It's just okay. dirt. It'll be there no matter what. Yeah, that's what I, that's <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I'm like, how do you? How does that yeah. work? Because this person actually teaches, but uh-huh. he, about buying land and, and selling, and he's like, you don't need to put insurance yeah. on the land. So, yeah. um, that, that's very interesting. And then my uh, my next question is, how do you find these companies? Are are these specific companies that work with what you do? Uh, or is it just any like title company or title attorney, or is it local to your area? Like how it's gotta be local. It absolutely okay. has to be local, but okay. I mean, they, okay. they deal with everything from like chattel, which I guess like is mobile home, what we call it right. chattel, chattel here, right. like, mo- movable property, right. uh, like cars and, and mobile homes and stuff all the way to, you know, million dollar homes and to anything that's like, anything that's got a title attached to it, uh, mm-hmm. they, they would deal with. And, but yeah, they need to be as local as possible in order to navigate the specific rules and regulations that, you know, exist wherever you are. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess the theme of today's podcast is local. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. I mean, it that's a lot like of both on the same page with yeah. that. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, a lot of gurus and people, I've, you know, they, they, they swear by the remote stuff and the remote stuff does work. But yeah, right. it's definitely not what I, you know, what I'd be comfortable with. It's out of my I, comfort zone, yeah. I have a friend who's all about turnkey. She uh-huh. lives in California. Right, she right. buys out of state, but yeah. I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely works yeah. for some people and, it, you know. Um, yeah. 
It but there, does. But uh, what I, I like to think of what I do is like kind of a like a like I'm a boutique. I'm not a Walmart, you know, like. Right. Uh, I'm selling. And I very, don't like to fly to all these places, oh, no, you know, because she's doing that. She's really? like, oh, I was in the Midwest and now I'm on the yeah. East. I mean, it's crazy. At least, <laughs> you know? at least she's going there and seeing it. I mean, I know a lot yeah. of investors that never set foot on their property, which is a little yeah. weird to me, but it's a, it's a modern world now. And you can right. do everything just with clicking. So, you know, exactly, exactly. And that's why we're having this podcast interview right now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Cause I, I'm not where you're at and you're not where I'm at, uh-huh. <laughs> obviously. Okay, great. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add Seth um, about, um, you know, land investing, any advice for people uh, who just are starting out looking into it? Um, um, for the folks out there listening. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't really give anything super specific because there's so many different ways of doing it and going about it, about right. it but from a, like a broader brush. Um, I would say that an entrepreneur's life is often sort of governed by fear or lack thereof. Uh, and so that when you're, if you're ever, get, this applies to any business, it's not just land, but like if you're getting started and like, say you're going to quit your job and like become an entrepreneur and you're going to take this big risk, it becomes really all about managing your fear. So <laughs> try not to let right. the try not to let the absolute terror you feel overwhelm you and try to be brave because you know uh fortune favors the bold, as they say. Good. Um, yes, so, I agree. You know. <laughs> I agree. Sweaty palms and all. That was yeah. me, you know. Yeah. We've all been there. We've all that's been there. That's what stops a lot of people. That's what um and it stops me even as like a successful entrepreneur. I get scared and I have to remind myself like fear is the Fear is the is the center thing in the middle. It's the game itself. You know, you, you have to be able to control, <laughs> you have to be able to control and manage that fear if you want the reward. You got to risk it for the biscuit. So I'm not telling right. you. To, I love that. I love yeah. that. Risk it for the biscuit. Okay. <laughs> I'm not telling you to you know put your whole paycheck on black or, or whatever. You right. know, I'm just saying that uh, that fear you feel is often an indication that you're actually doing something amazing and you're headed in the right direction. And harness that fear and learn to you know learn to make good use of it because it can be a motivating factor. Um, so yeah. That's some great advice. Great advice. Face your fears, y'all face (laughs) your fears. That's why I did this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Seth. This is all good information for anyone listening. I'm going to put all the links to everything. Um, in the show notes, that's books, my course uh, review on his course uh, on land investing, my review on his book as well, too. Seth, for those uh, out there who want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Do you have a website? Um, how, how would they reach you? Sure. There's there's a Facebook group, uh, The Land Flipper. There's a website, uh, the land flipper and another website where the course is that's just landflippers.com. Uh, if you want to email me, I, the easiest way is just, uh, the land at gmail.com as unprofessional as that sounds. I have a professional, uh, email address, but like I hardly ever check it. So, um, just e- email me to the, to the, to the casual one and we can have a conversation. Sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and actually um, sharing your time and your knowledge with everyone, all the listeners out there. Thank yeah. you so much, Seth. And Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate what you do. <laughs> I really Keep appreciate this. Exactly. I will catch you all on the next episode. This is Rachel Hernandez, aka Mobile Home Girl of AdventuresOfMobileHomes.com, signing off. Bye. So there you have it. 
my first guest interview with my author friend and real estate investor, Seth, who goes by the pen name E.B. Farmer. So what did you think? Did you learn a lot from the interview? I hope so. Now, as mentioned, I did review one of Seth's books, which is his main one, The Land Flipper, Turning Dirt into Dollars. And this is a great read if you're interested in the subject. And as promised, I'll link up my review about the book right here in the show notes. Now also, I took and reviewed Seth's course on land investing. So if you're also interested in getting more in-depth on the subject, I'll also link up my review on the course here, right in the show notes. And as a special added bonus, there's a special discount just for listeners of this podcast, meaning you, write in the review if you want to take the course. And lastly, as a special added bonus and treat, as of this recording, I've decided to do a special video review of Seth's course just for members of my support page. Now, this will be me talking about the course and what I found valuable out of it and how I'm applying it to my own research into land investing with mobile homes. Now, as of this recording, I haven't done the video yet, but it will be coming out soon. So if you're a member of my support page, watch out for it. And if you're not yet a member, definitely sign up if you want to hear my thoughts on camera about the course itself. And I'll probably also go through the site for the course page and through the modules of what I got out of them and what you can get out of them as well as a mobile home investor. Now, this video course review is just one of the perks of becoming a member on my support page. And as a member, you'll get exclusive access to videos like this on different topics around mobile home investing and access to detailed posts where I go into more detail about specific topics within mobile home investing that you won't find anywhere else. I'm telling you, this is exclusive content and behind-the-scenes footage of my own mobile home investing business. Plus, you'll also get discounts to special events, and here's the kicker, discounts to my existing courses and classes, including a special extra discount to my Dodd-Frank and SafeAct course, especially for mobile home investors, just for members of my support page. So you definitely don't want to miss out on the special deal. So if you're interested, go to www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com support for more information on how you can support me and become a member, including all the perks that you'll get that I just mentioned. Again, www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash support. And if you'd like to get the show notes and links to this episode, go to www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 50. Again, www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 50. Well, that's about it for now. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of my first guest interview on the show. And I'll be having more of these in the future every now and then. So stay tuned. And if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please be sure to share it with family and friends. And be sure to follow me and subscribe. And if you have some time, please write a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser if you've enjoyed the podcast. It really helps me to keep motivated and come up with more content to help you become a better mobile home investor. That's about it for now. Until next time, this is Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast, signing off. Thanks for tuning in.